Corey Gerard, welcome to Drum and Golf YouTube. Welcome to uh, helping us understand a little bit more, well, not a little bit more, a lot more about the evolution of the new Vokey SM9 product. It's about to hit, when are we, maybe it's about to hit in a, in a couple of weeks' time, but uh, I'm lucky enough to get a couple of samples here. Let's talk about that. Corey, before we start talking about the product, I'm interested to know a little bit more about you, your role, you know, why an Aussie that we used to talk to over here in uh, the Cushnet head offices in Brayside uh, down there um, is now sitting in America and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the director of brand director of Vokey Wedges for Titleist. Correct. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Thanks Ross. Um, I got lucky. I think a little bit of fun. Um, as you know, PGA member worked in the industry a long time now and um, started with a Cushnet nine years ago. And I've always worked on the club side and, and started as a fitter and then that's really progressed into different roles and that got me over here to the US working on metals and irons actually originally, um, which was a load of fun. And then an opportunity popped up about 15 months ago to work um, on the Vokey team, um, helping along with Bob and Aaron and it's been really cool. So luckiest guy in golf. Uh, you mentioned Aaron, uh, I bumped into Jeff Ogilvie at the Vic Open, which is on uh, this week. And we did a little bit of a, have a look inside uh, what's in Jeff's bag and he pulled out his lob wedge and it's stamped with an A on there. And yes. uh, he still holds Aaron in the highest of regard for making and shaping the grind on his uh, lob wedge, which um, he's very, uh, would appear to me, very thankful and grateful for. So uh, that's Aaron. And I was just talking about Aaron with Jeff Ogilvy, obviously a Titleist uh, brand ambassador for a number of years and uh, a great asset for you. So I have three Vokies. I go, it's a 48F, a 54S, and a 60A. These are pretty, these are pretty standards, the 48 and the 54. Um, the 60A is kind of interesting. Um, I was sort of Aaron Dill. The A is for Aaron, really, Aaron Dill. And I was in the bunker quite a few times in... Uh, mostly in the West Coast swing, I think four or five years ago. And I was hitting bunker shots with a lot of different clubs and I was just talking to Aaron about what I wanted the club to feel like through the sand. Rather than say, I want bounce here or this there. I was just like, I want it to feel like this through the ball. And we tried lots of different stuff. He goes, I think I know what you want. And he ran off with an L did a little thing and came back with this thing that this is like now the commercial version they make, but he came back with an L that looked like this and it was just the best thing I've ever used ever. Like it was the perfect wedge. So Arundel, thank you, perfect wedge. And I will use this for a really long time, I think. It's a magic wedge. Uh, it's quite low bounce, I think. Um, I don't know exactly the numbers, but low bounce, but it's got a bit more of a, a width than some of the other ones that, that, that sort of have a relief sole. But anyway, magic wedges. So, the Aussie grind, the A grind. The A grind. Really built for the Melbourne Sandbelt, that one. There you go. Yeah. Talk, we'll talk about bounce and grind when we talk about the product. Um, I'm, I'm interested to, to get a little bit of insight into the, I guess, the evolution of the Vokey brand. I, how many years? You know, it seems like forever, but how many years has Bob been making and shaping and designing uh, wedges for the Titleist company? Yeah, good question. Coming up on oh, three decades, really. He started with the company in 1996. And he actually started on the Metalwoods program. This is Bob we're talking about. Yeah. So a lot of our viewers and listeners, Ross, will remember the 975D driver. It was certainly one of my old favourites. He was very big and instrumental um, in working on that one as an R&D member. So he started on that. And then we really recognised that the wedge category 
um, a lot like our putter category, but the wedge one really needed a dedicated team to it. So as legend has it, um, the boss was in a room one day with a bunch of teams in, in R&D, and they really said, hey, who knows anything about wedges? And Bob threw his hand up straight away and said, I'll do it. And they kind of said, what, what the heck do you know about wedges? He said, I love wedges. I love working with my hands. His dad was a tool maker and machinist. And he spent a lifetime working and tinkering with his hands. So that's really how Bob got into it three decades ago. Unbelievable. Um, you know, how on a, on a week-to-week, month-to-month, day-to-day basis, you know, how involved is Bob now in, in the company and in the brand and, and, you know, signing off on what bears his name? Bob's tremendously involved. So he is here every single day. He's 83, by the way. Yeah. He'll kill me for telling you that. But he's here every single day. We got off a plane last night at 10 p.m. We were, we were interstate doing some roadshow events. So he's still very much involved, working hard. And that's from product um, inception, you know, really thinking about how do we make a better product. He's heavily involved in R&D. He's not out on tour as much as he'd like to. Aaron Dill is really taking that space. But from time to time, we get him out on tour and he's working with those players to get that feedback. But he's here. He was in here this morning knocking on my door and he turns up for work every single day, just pumped to be here. That is uh, that is sensational. You know, that that is, you know, one of the great parts of this industry is that it's built around not only great products, but the people. And, you know, when you hear stories like uh, that, and there, are, and there are other stories in other companies and other brands of, of similar uh, gentlemen of, and, and women of ilk uh, of that standing, but it's just so great to see. And I guess for you guys, you know, it must give you so much confidence in, you know, when you bring something to market, A, that it's, that it's got to stand up to the name and, uh, and B, it's going to be fantastic. Um, you mentioned yeah. you're on, on the road and on the road show and you mentioned Phoenix, uh, the waste management's on this week. You know, did you get out there? Is that part of that road show? Uh, it wasn't meant to be, but we certainly worked our way in. Yeah, yeah we got enough. to the 16th on uh, Tuesday night, which is, it's just an awesome setting. I think it's really good for golf, to be honest. Um, I think just having, you know, bits and pieces, but it's such a good setting where there's a bunch of people. There's 20,000 people on that 16th hole, that little par three, and it really is a grandstand three stories high. Um, I was talking to the guy who sets up the grandstand. He's been there since September. It's February now. So he's been working on that for a very long time. It is a, uh, it's a, it's a big setup. I, I, I've never seen it. I, one day I would hope to, uh, but uh, it looks like an amazing setup. Uh, talking, talking about, you know, your players and your brand ambassadors, you mentioned Jeff there before, but uh, you know, who, who are the players that uh, you guys look to when you, put in play a program to develop a new wedge or and you know change things and change it up who who's part of that team in terms of the professional staff well, we're really lucky um, in terms of the staff professionals on tour that we have quite a few you know a lot of guys and girls that um, aren't contracted as well so it's good to get their feedback but from a titleist perspective you know Justin Thomas Jordan Spieth we work really closely with those guys Max Homer Aaron Dill and Kevin Tasistro, who's our head of R&D for Wedges, they're out there at TPI this morning. They're actually working with the Quarter Sisters. Um, so getting that feedback all year round from them is really important. And then we're really fortunate as Aussies to have a guy like Cam Smith, you know, working with Grant Field. His short game is incredible. So mm-hmm. as a Vokey guy working on Wedges, we're really blessed to have him because obviously he's tremendous. He's, he's got great talent around the short game, but to put our new product in play the first week we put it out there on tour and shoot a record score in January. That was a real bonus for us having Cam do that. But those guys and girls are 
amongst many that we go and get that feedback from. And really we're looking at looks, feel, sound, you know, flight, a whole bunch of different things to get that feedback from them. And the guys and girls will do that right now. They'll get feedback from SM9, even though they've only had it in their hands for a month. And we'll start working on the next one um, with that feedback to make sure that if there's anything we need to improve, we've got it dialed in for two years or four years away. And that leads me to another question that we um, talked about beforehand is the development of new product. You know, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the life cycle of the, the Vokey Wedge family is about that 18-month, two-year program, yeah? Yeah, two years, yeah. So what what's a little bit of a look in behind the scenes of, of that development? You know, how do we get from SM8? And I'm sure SM9 probably even starts before SM8's even finished uh, its life cycle, but how do we get from... You know, what's the cadence of that development cycle? Yeah, it, it really does. We take that tour player feedback and, and come back from there. So SM7 was a good example of that, right, where SM7, we felt like we'd really got something very good with our centre of gravity story, which is ultimately dictating ball flight. Um, but really what we saw as the months rolled on with tour players was just this tiny fraction of them that were seeing the ball pop up um, to the right, you know, a little high squirty shot that, comes up right and comes up short and they weren't overly happy with that so we tweaked a couple and got it to work for them but that was one of those bits of feedback where we said hey we're not quite there and that really forced us down the path of improving that center of gravity story with sm8 where we're actually able to move that center of gravity forward to help those players square up that shot and really eliminate that squirrely right one for them so that one started so early on um, into the SM7 launch that we were able to help that in terms of SM8 two years down the track. Okay, so let's let's start diving into uh, the new SM9. I've I've got uh, a couple here on hand. You know, there's the beautiful uh, tall chrome uh, model. That's the 52 gap wedge there with the uh, 08F grind uh, and a couple other samples. So you've got some pillars that Boki put in place to really define the, the um, performance benefits and the development of what are those? Let's talk about those pillars because I know they're really important. They're in the press release, and but I think the nuggets of gold that people want to understand what makes Evoki so special are in those pillars. Yeah, so I mean, Ross, you asked where do we where do we look for that feedback? What are we looking for with feedback? So we always look at three keys to wedge play, and we think they line up really well with great wedge design as well. Number one is shot versatility. So we're talking grinds, we're talking contact making sure you have the right sole grind to shoot uh, to suit either your playing style, the conditions you're in, or the different shots you might be faced with in a round of golf. So that's, that's number one, and we'll, we'll talk about that in length because I know that can be confusing um, sometimes with all the options that are out there. Number two is centre of gravity, and that we're really talking about balance point and the mass that we can move around or the material that we can move around in the golf club. What are we doing with that center of gravity? It's really about giving you the best distance and trajectory control. So flighting the ball correctly to land it in the same spot more often. And then number three, maximum spin. So we're really looking at what can we do with the grooves to give you more spin more often. And it's one of those things where no one's asking for less spin. They want more spin. <laughs> they want it for longer. So it's a really important point. So when we go to what was the first point we're going to talk about? Short, let's talk about shot versatility. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're talking grinds. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've got six in our lineup. There's many more in Wedgeworks as well. And really probably the number one question we get when we travel is, hey, what is a grind? And yeah. we're really talking about the shape of the sole. That's it. There's different shapes and different soles. 
Yeah, looking at that one on screen right now, that's a nice full sole. And that's really how every club starts out. This nice full sole that looks a lot like an iron or a pitching wedge that you'd be used to. And then the grind is literally where Bob and Aaron get on the grinding wheel. They start shaving bits and pieces off the back of the golf club to suit different playing styles or course conditions. So, for example, if you're someone who really likes to open it up and hit a flop shot or play an open face bunker shot, you need a little bit of relief on that club to get it cutting through and get the contact point right. So probably what we've talked about in recent years has been, hey, Ross, do you like to open it up or do you play it pretty square? It's really gone to the next level, though, when it comes to grinds. We've got six options. The closer we get to the green, we have more. And it's really about getting the right contact point. So it doesn't matter if you have the best grooves in golf or you've got this amazing center of gravity story about distance control. If you get the wrong contact because you've got the wrong grind, all of that goes out the window. So we're really looking for players to hit it between grooves two and five, nice and low on the club face. And believe it or not, if we can get you hitting it there, the ball's going to come out lower, spin a lot more, and you'll get a more consistent strike and consistent distance. I can't wait for people to hear you know, us talk about this because you know, as long as I've been you know, helping people understand the benefits of technology in their golf equipment, you know, this very topic is one that continues to be largely under, not so well understood. And um, I think for my colleagues, it's sometimes hard to explain. Uh, it's hard to understand from a customer point of view, but it's so important to, you know, their game because, you, you know, you play such a large variety of shots and a lot large amount of shots, you know, inside that 100 metres. And, you yeah. know, we know the benefits of bombing the ball along, you know, with the driver, I get that. But the the focus that has to go into that, you know, wedge system. And I, I that's how much I, I how I frame it up. I, I tell people, you know, it's what your system is at the bottom end of your bag. Sometimes yep. it's dictated by what happens at the top and how many we can fit in at the bottom, but whatever it is and how many the number, we've got to have a system. And part of that bounce and grind, you know, for that shot versatility. And and when you, when do you start understanding or explaining to people that, you know, the conditions that they play in, you know, the types of sand that they have in the bunker, the types of yeah. surface conditions and fairways really dictate how they you know, the clubs that might go in the bag, but also then their, uh, you know, their technique has a bit to do with that as well. So when, you, when yeah. you're working with people in the fitting sense and technique, you know, how, how important is the bounce and the grind in that? Yeah, really important. The two work together. I mean, I would say more important than finding the right bounce is finding the wrong one. You've got yeah. to kick it out yeah. of the way, right? Because yeah. you've got these options that you can choose from. And a, a great example yesterday, working with some more players who are um, staff professionals of ours. These are good PGA players. Working with them, even they were surprised, Ross, at just how how bad they could hit it with the wrong grind and how much more consistent they were with the right one. And you're right, it comes down to different playing styles. I grew up in Melbourne. And I grew up in Swan Hill, actually, and Murray Downs. Really firm conditions, just like the sand belt in Melbourne. So I go pretty steep at it because it was pretty hard to take a divot on those conditions. Mm -hmm. Get over here where it's a little softer and greener and they like to water the golf courses. I can take a fillet with the best of them. So I need something that's got a nice wide sole, plenty of bounce to really keep that club sliding through the turf. And it's going to help me with that contact point. So if I go out there or a player who's steeper and more of a digger, if they go into those softer conditions and that club enters the turf a little further than we like, the ball now doesn't hit nice and low on grooves two or five. It hits higher up the face. And when that happens, you're going to get higher launch lower spin 
and it's going to carry shorter. So I think just about everyone listening to this has hit that shot where it lands on the fringe and it runs up to the pin and your playing partner said, really good shot. And you think, gosh, I got away with that one. Yeah, you, That's look, that contact point. You're looking at the face and the little grass is, uh, you know, somewhere up yeah. here, you know, stuck in the grooves and, and it looks all right, but you go, that wasn't, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's so important. Um, is there anything else on on the bounce and grind that we should, you know, cover off? You know, low bounce. What's the lowest bounce that we have? Lowest bounce is an L grind that we yep. have, so it's got four degrees of bounce on it. And I think part of the trick is to, you know, I think bounce is probably the easier one for us to remember. Yep. You know, it's low, mid, or high bounce. Um, but really, we like to talk about grinds first because. Mm. If I fit you into an M grind, which is really good for someone who likes to say manufacture shots or manipulate the club face open and closed, you don't get an option on bounce. You've only got eight degrees. So it's more of a mid bounce club, but I would say the two work together. And one of the big things and Vogue always says this is you don't have to copy and paste your sand wedge into your lob wedge. He likes to see a little more bounce or a wider sole in that sand wedge and a little less bounce in that lob. And I think Jordan Spieth probably a really good example of that, where if you watch Jordan take a full swing with his sand wedge, that's a big divot. Mm-hmm. It's flying down the fairway. Yeah. You can put your foot in the divot. So he needs more bounce there. If you get him greenside, he's got the lowest bounce we have because he's got immaculate hands. He just picks it really cleanly off the top. Now, that's the same golfer with two different tools in the toolbox for the different shots he's trying to play. So just, you know, if you are at home and you listen to this, you know, for just to bring it back to everyday golf a lot, me account, you know, I've got a set of SM8s are just sitting over there. You can see my finger pointing at them. Uh, So my setup is I've got a 5008F. I have a 5414F and then a 6008M. And it's basically for, you know, that type of structure that you said, you know, I'm a little bit, steep on those four, yeah. you know, those three quarter shots. And I need that um, F grind on that 54 for that pitching and chipping. But, you know, when I get to the bunker, especially sand belt, I need a little bit less, uh, less bounce, a little bit more uh, access to the leading edge in, in some of the sand conditions. And I'm reasonably okay with my sand wedges, but my chipping and pitching, I just need, I just get so much benefit out of having that bigger, bigger grind and, and more bounce uh, through the cooch uh, in Melbourne particularly. And it really does help. And, and some people, you know, that, look in my bag, people look in my bag all the time and they go, yeah, that's different, way different to that. And and I try and explain that. And, you know, you've just sort of backed it up there. Well, you nailed it too in terms of you just outlined, hey, here's what kind of player I am. You know, I'm a little steeper instead of someone who might pick it cleanly. I play in conditions where I might have firm bunkers or then I get to some Kaikuya that's a little soft. So it's, hey, where am I using this club? And then number three was, what am I trying to do with it? So what am I actually trying to do with this club is a great question for our golfers to ask. Do I use it out of the bunker? You know, do I really open it up or do I play it mainly square 90% of the time and occasionally I'll open it up? That all plays a factor. And if you're working with someone in store, they can really help you dial that in. doesn't matter if it's indoors or outdoors, you can do all of this. So mm. whether it's out of a bunker, off some turf grass, or if you're indoors off a mat, you can do this because we're going to ask a bunch of questions. You're going to tell us a bunch of answers about what you're looking to do. And then that contact point, we can see if that grind is going to suit or not. So let's move on to talking about one of the other pillars, distance and trajectory control, because, you know, I think you made, you know, quite a number of changes uh, in this part. So, 
you know, when we talk about that pillar, what are the key foundations that, you know, really formed the evolution of the SM9 in, in the distance and trajectory control area? Yeah, we want you to flight the ball more consistently. And one of the big things here that might be the opposite of what a lot of golfers that we play with on the weekend might think is the best players in the world, they really want to flight those higher lofted wedges like a lob wedge. They want to fly them in nice and low. In fact, they tell us, Ross, all the time, there is no such thing as too low when it comes to wedge flight. So that's what we've really worked on with SM9. SM8, we pushed our center of gravity or our balance or our mass forward. That really helped players square it up at impact, as we talked about earlier. SM9, though, we've moved that center of gravity up to help you get a lower ball flight. Now, that's going to help drive the ball in lower. You're going to hit your number a lot more often. You're actually going to spin it more, too. So I'm holding that up there, and I guess what you're talking about is this, you know, the weight pad up here. Is that right? The evolution of that? Is that part of what we're talking about now? Yeah, so we got the weight higher, and there's two ways we did that. You're pointing to that tapered toe there, so we've made that a little thicker. So we've actually saved some weight from down low, pushed it up high, high in the face, which is going to get that CG moving up. And also, too, that lob wedge you're holding up, the hosel is quite a bit longer than what you might see on a pitching wedge or a gap wedge. So we actually have a progressive CG all the way through the set. It's not just copy and paste. What we know is that pitching wedge, Ross, is more like a 10-iron, right? You're playing even a gap wedge, more full swings with that. So it's got a shorter hosel length on that one to keep that CG nice and low, and that really matches up with your iron play. As you get into more wedge shots and you're playing shorter swings and trying to control the flight, we start to gradually move that center of gravity up to get the ball flight down. So then uh, we talk about the this center of gravity that's help me explain this, you know, it sits in front of the face. It does. Now, when, when I try and explain that to uh, a customer, you know, I'm so used to talking about drivers <laughs> and other clubs where you're pointing and you can see mass. So they can see visually, you know, where center of gravity, but we're talking about a center of gravity position that sits in front of the face there. And I guess what we just mentioned there, you know, this hosel length and the weight positioning here, you know, the toe and the toe pad and, and everything else works in concert with, you know, building this center of gravity here, but ex- help us explain what that does. Yeah, the hosel helps too. If you hold that back up to the screen, you'll notice that that hosel, we've got a little more weight in there and that's actually forward of the face. So that all the loft you have on that club face there, if you actually put your finger right there on that club face, perfect, that's behind the shaft and behind the hosel. So we've got a lot of weight forward of that point and we're able to, yeah, exactly. We're able to balance that out throughout the face as well. So by doing that, the important part here is as we raise center of gravity, it wants to head back along the face with the loft. So having that weight and those longer hosels really helps us push that forward. So it's a tricky one because you can't see it. We're talking about something that's floating in front of the face, but really that center of gravity is we've moved it around. It's really controlling that club face through impact. Uh, the shaping of the, of the wedge overall changed a, a little? Does it stay larger the same because it was such such a good shape before or you know what happens yeah. with the, the overall shape when you look down at a dress? I think the toe, the top toes change quite a bit, that whole yep. top line, but the beauty of it is from the playing position at a dress, you can't see the changes, so they're kind of hidden. Um, and the soles are a little bit thinner too. So if you think about that leading edge at a dress just sits up off the turf a little bit, We've made the soles a little narrower, so that leading edge now sits closer to the ground. And then even more importantly, when you open the club face up, it's now hugging the ground nicely, so you don't have that leading edge sitting up exposed. 
Now, you mentioned spin. And uh, as you said before, no one wants less spin on their wedges. Everyone's expecting uh, every couple of years more spin. Yep. Uh, you know, we've got the confines of the rules of uh, club manufacture and the, the RNA and the USGA and all of that sort of parameters that we've got yeah. to work within. You know, how does how does Bob and you guys over there continue to push the boundaries of, you know, spin technology on the face to make this the ultimate uh, spin machine for the uh, Vokey staffers? Yeah, these are great meetings that we're in. Um, I always enjoy that one because I'm by far the dumbest person in the room and you learn so much <laughs> from the R&D guys as they're working through the engineering side of it and they're back and forth with ideas. But really what we're able to do this time around is change our, our groove cutting process to make it a lot more consistent. And what that gives us is a more consistent part. So we're able to cut the grooves sharper, really protecting the edge of that groove. Um, and that's really important because it means that we're going to get more spin, but we're able to retain it. Now, the trick to that is, as the guys are working on great things, you're right, we need to stay within the rules of golf. And that's where Bob can sleep at night, as he says, because he makes us check every single groove on every single wedge. So we'll make a few wedges this year and they've all got a few grooves on the face, but we're really going to the cutting edge and we check every single groove to make sure that it's conforming. Um, and that consistent part this time with SM9 is gonna give you consistent spin, but certainly higher spin more often, which which we want with players. But that's really the trick here is, hey, how do you know if you've lost spin? And that's one of the things that we see. We've, we've got people that walk up to us all the time, Ross, and say, hey, Mr. Vokey, I really love your wedge that you've got here and I've had it for 12 years. I guarantee you the wedge, with 12-year-old wedge, those grooves are probably pretty shot. So um, what we've found over the years is that after 75 rounds, that wedge is going to start to reduce spin or the spin is going to come down a little bit. So that's one of those things that we need to recognize, you know, out on the golf course, how do you tell if your grooves are shot? You need to look to make sure they've still got that nice clean edge to them. Um, but you can also see it through ball flight. So one of the telltale things is if you see that ball pop up a little higher, float a little bit in the air and then carry shorter than what you thought it should, that's probably a good time to go and see someone just to ask, hey, are my grooves still going okay? Because that's an important point. And I think, Ross, what happens is, you know, if you don't see someone for six months, you might notice if they lost hair or they grew more hair. But if you see them every day, you really don't notice that. And that's just like our weekend golf or those lucky enough to play a few times a week. If you're playing a few times a week, you really don't see that spin reduction because it didn't happen overnight. So what used to stop at eight feet two years ago might now stop at 15 feet and you're trying to compensate and do something different to stop the ball when in actual fact, the grooves might be a bit worn out. Yeah, it, it's another aspect of uh, you know, talking to the golfers of the world uh, that, that continues to, to blow me away. And, and I get everyone's got their favourite and, and they don't like changing uh, favourite clubs. But yeah, you guys yeah. have a you guys have a great video with the um that 75 and uh what's the other there's a couple of other distances there on the on yeah. the perfectly flat 100 100 meter green that you've got there that you do the robot yeah. testing uh it's a great video which everyone should um have a look at and i might see if i can put a link in or something like that but once you explain that you know you, you know you're making compensatory you know and sometimes unconscious compensatory moves to try and play a shot that you want to stop next to the hole but yeah. you've, you've just got to land it in a different spot with this club than you did six, eight, 12 months ago. And people go, yeah. And, and you can almost see the light bulb go, you're right. Yeah, that's really hard to do. Yeah. The best players in the world don't bother doing that. Um, and I think an important point too is, you know, we're not trying to flog three or four wedges 
um, to everyone here, that I would say the most important place to start is have a look at your most used wedge. So if you use your lob wedge out of the bunker all the time and it's, it's getting used everywhere, and that might be the sand wedge for some people, have a look at that one. Now, that's the same on tour. Bob goes by a 4-3-2-1 rule. So pitching wedges, they don't need to be updated as often. They're not getting sandblasted and you're not practicing as often with those. So his tour players will change a pitching wedge four times a year, the gap wedge three times, the sand wedge twice. Oh, sorry, the other way around. Pitching wedge once, gap wedge twice, sand three and lob wedge four. Now, most of our listeners are going to go, yeah, I'm not doing four lob wedges a year. You're right. You're not playing every week like tour players and practicing. But after a couple of years, mm. I'd have a look. I'd have a look at your lob wedge. Your pitching wedge is still probably okay, but your most used wedge is probably starting to lose a bit of spin. I think people wear, um, you know, wear their wear marks, you know, and those little you know, wear spots on the on the on the wedges and their clubs like badges of honor because they see, yeah. you know, Adam's Adam's eight iron, you know, these hit a thousand shots, you know, it's got that little wear mark, so they wear it like a little, you know, yeah. grinder's badge of honor. But um, yeah, it's it's really really important uh, points about uh, keeping wedge. Um, you know, grooves sharp and consistent so you can maximise your game. As you said, we're not trying to flog wedges. We're just trying to bring great information and, and you're helping do that. Um, anything else on that part of the SM9 and uh, maximum spin? Uh, well, he treat the face as well. So yep. while I'm, I'm sitting here telling everyone that, hey, your grooves are going to wear out over time, um, we heat treat the face to really double the durability of that groove. So think of putting a steak on the barbie we're not cooking it, but we're just searing it really quickly. That's what we do to the uh, impact area on a wedge. So we really heat treat that, which hardens the groove. And what we've found is that where spin used to drop off after a certain amount of bunker shots, around about 400, it's now starting to drop off at 800 bunker shots. So it's lasting twice as long by doing that process. So really trying to give give everyone that longevity so they can you know, do what we're trying to do, get yeah. more spin for longer. Uh, that's great. Yeah. The, the, you know, I've got the uh, Tor Chrome, uh, the black, the, fin- the finishes here. Um, you know, what do you find with customers, you know, talking about finishes and different looks? You know, what, what's your insights into why someone wants to choose a different look? Yeah, well, I mean, Tour Chrome is still the most popular. That's one that looks just like your iron set. Um, and it looks newer for longer. So that's a popular one. And then there are a bunch of people that just want to mix up the colours into jet black or brushed steel, which are actually very even in terms of um, popularity. Some players might, hey, they just want to take the glare away out of the bunker, so they change the finish. Or some people like that jet black because it, it it's raw, so it rusts up a little bit over time, which um, we also have a raw finish too, Ross, and I think debunk a little myth in there that a lot of people think that, while well, the tour players use raw, so raw must spin more. It's not the case. We cut all of our grooves to match the finish that we have. Um, so it's a really important one. The reason the tour players use raw is because sometimes they need to tweak something. They need Bob or Aaron or someone like that to get on the grinding wheel and take some of the material away. If you do that on a beautifully painted tour chrome, that's going to look pretty ordinary pretty quick. Yeah. So they use raw for that reason. Yeah, it is. Uh, I did check out a lot of the bags of the uh players at the range at the Vic Open and, you know, firstly and foremostly uh, credit to to Bob and to your, your team, regardless of what iron and driver and, you know, fairway brand they were playing, a lot of them had Vokies, uh, but a lot of them had raw finish and uh, yeah. you could, you could see that 
the you know, what I would call tweakage, you could see the little manipulations that they've had done and in, in trying to really, you know, craft out their their shape. You know, there's little minute um that, that these guys look for and that can be done uh on this club. And they've obviously working with your tightless staff over here and uh the guys over there, which were on the range as well. I saw them there with uh, they had a massive setup there uh on Tuesday and fitting a lot of people. So it's great to see uh your your team on the ground down here. Good. Uh I think uh yeah, the last question I get uh, I get a lot is um, shafts. Yes. You know, so you've got the wedge flex shaft in here. The it's a, I think it's a true temper. Um, yep. You know, what do you see with shaft fitting in in the wedge area? You know, I know Bob's got some thoughts and methodologies behind that. You know, what's the the general consensus on? You've got a couple of examples. You know, you've got a really strong player that might have that, yeah. you know, heavy 130 gram extra stiff shaft in there. How does that trans, uh, translate into the wedge game? Then you've got, yeah. you know, every day. And then you've got the the more slower swing speed, the gentle, you know, deliver of the club that have it might have a graphite. How do we transition into that? Great question. Great question. You're right. You've got two different players there and everyone in between. But in general, Bob really likes that overall weight to be pretty heavy but he likes it a little softer in your wedges so what we typically see is for the players who are playing a full swing club let's say you're going with a Vokey pitching wedge and a gap wedge and you most of the time using them for a full swing club well at that point your pitching wedge is a 10 iron right so that full swing we try and match that shaft to what you play in your other full swing clubs like your irons your seven your eight your nine iron when we get down to the little stuff and you're playing wedge shots we want to be more touchy-feely. So overall, it's a little heavier, but it's softer. So you get that responsiveness through. So he's had some really good stories over the years with some very good players, one that won a US Open by 15 shots once, who played X-Flex in his irons, but stepped down into something a little softer in that sand and lob wedge to get that feel. So that's typically what we see. We get a lot of big, strong young guys and girls that come in and they want to play that X-Flex or a 6.5 in their wedges, they really don't need that when it gets to the sand and lob wedge. If you go the other way and you've got someone who's playing lightweight steel or a graphite set, it's also good to match that as far as you can. But just check that sand wedge, your bunker club. Um, once we get down there, the heads are pretty heavy. And if you've got a lightweight graphite, it's pretty soft. You're going to feel that and the club's going to move around a little bit more. So we just need to make sure again that that contact point is right. So if you've got something that's a bit soft, and you're going at it with speed out of the bunker, maybe you could do with something that's actually a little firmer or a little heavier. So we typically see Ross people match that graphite all the way through. But for some players, they actually go a little heavier in that bunker club to really help thud the club down into the sand. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it's a great bit of advice, that. And once again, it's that those little kernels that, uh, you know, don't come automatically you know, to your, your way of thinking about your wedge system, uh, but really important to understand for those exact reasons. Um, yeah. Perfect. Corey, you know, is there anything else that we should talk about in relation to, you know, letting people understand the new SM9 is coming and uh, it's a great addition and a great uh, replacement for the SM8 family and just an evolution of something that is, you know, it's not me telling you or you telling me, the proof is in uh you know, your staff players that are out there, the proof is in the players that carry that brand in their bags, regardless of um, contracts, money or whatever. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else that we should cover off? Go and get fit. It's so important. I'm, I'm going to say that one a few times. You know, 
whether that's going through the wedge selector tool on Vokey.com, you know, there's five minutes of your time that actually gets you to think about what am I doing with these yeah. wedges? What do I want to achieve with them? That's incredibly accurate and that's a good starting point, but go in store and see someone, go and have a chat, go and hit some wedges. doesn't matter if it's off a mat or off grass or wherever, we want you to go and hit those so that you can see that there is a difference. Even some of the grinds, Ross, that look the same, the bounce might be different and that has a, a big impact on the way you play it and that contact point. So go and get fit because I think we're all doing a really good job of getting fit for driver. We know if we can tighten dispersion, we'll hit more fairways, but this really comes down to, do you want longer putts or shorter putts? Because yep. we can help you get shorter putts if you can dial in that wedge game, both from left to right and front to back. One of the things that I introduced in in my store, and you know, I know this goes for a lot of the, the guys and girls that um, you know have the, the drum and golf business. You know, we started making demos available in the fitting bay. So rather than right. just a wedge off the rack and putting some, all the tape, you know, we've got yeah, not every bounce and every grind, but you know, from the 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 gap, the sand, and the lob that I have there, you know, we yep. we can do a fitting and we can identify where your contact point is in on on the bounce. Uh, we can identify what lie angle that you should be playing with because, you know, another thing that a lot of people, you know, light bulb moments, um, you know, their lie angle is different for that lob wedge and that lob yeah. bunker bunker style shot than it is for the full to three quarter sand wedge, the the fifty four yes. or the fifty six. So, you know, you start tweaking lie angle between pitch gap sand and lob and and that really is part of that fitting process and understanding the shaftology but um that's one of the things that we do and, and people say well it's not on grass but what i find is that off the mat in a simulator environment is yep. you know it's a consistent surface so yes. it, re- it really does give you a good benchmark for consistency and you can show and there's not that variability so yeah it, it does work and there are certainly ways that uh, we all fit for wedges and wedge systems in in store. It's great. I love it. And if you've got that launch monitor, you've got all the tools at your fingertips in terms of launch, spin, and distance, right? So yep. if you've got the wrong contact, that ball's probably going to launch a little higher than we'd like. It's going to drop in spin and it's going to carry shorter. So when you find the right grind for someone, the ball's going to come out nice and low. It's going to be fast. It's going to carry and it's going to really spin a lot. So if you've got access to that and the launch monitor can show you that, you're home. Well, Corey, I won't take, I know you're busy over there in the States and thanks for joining us again. The SM9, great looking club, great feeling club, a whole host of new features, a system that you can build your game around at that bottom end of your bag. And uh, really, once again, you know, Bob and your team has delivered some sensational products for the golfers of the world. And uh, I wish you all the best of success in the launch period. Uh, I'm sure you're going to get a lot of more tour action, tour wins. I hope you get out there on tour and see a few more of the players and maybe we might catch up later on in the year. That'd be great. Thanks for your time, Ross. And thanks to everyone's support at Drum and Golf. Wish you all the best with this launch. You're going to have a lot of fun with it. Very good, mate. Corey, thanks very much. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.